Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I think one of the things that sets us apart from the rest of the world's denominations is that we are taught to pray out loud to our God. And I think that's a good thing. And I think hearing us speak the words ourselves increases our own faith. I really believe that. And this morning we're going to talk about prayer just for a few minutes. I don't stand here trying to tell you that I understand everything about prayer and have a handle on everything prayer related because I don't. But I do know enough to know that scripture commands us to pray. And I want to look, about, look at that a bit today. Now this is where I would tell you my normal things about this is probably a weird message. <laughs> may, may not be as weird as some, actually. And the shortest message ever, that will be true, I'm sure. But I do hope that we get to the meat of the word, the meat of the message, and that it comes through loudly and clearly. So if you want to turn to Luke chapter 18, that's where I'm going to be reading, starting in verse 1. Lord, we ask your anointing on your word this morning. Quicken my mind, O oh Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Luke 18, 1. And he spake unto them unto this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was a city, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Couldn't care less about God, couldn't care less about people. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said in himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wears me out. And I think herein lies the message. And the Lord said, Shakayatokosi, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not. God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth. Jesus said, pay attention to what this unjust judge has said. Because he wasn't a good guy. <laughs> but in the end, he made a righteous judgment, albeit for the wrong reason, a selfish reason. He was a selfish man because he cared not about things of God and he cared not about things of the people. He did it for his own benefit. But still the widow got the benefit of his judgment. And Jesus said, don't you think 
that God will not avenge his very own elect, those who cry out to him day and night, even though it seems like he's taking a long time. Jesus told us in him, his own words, God will answer, even if it seems like it's taking a long time. And to add to Jesus' former words, in that same uh, area, Jesus said, if they faint not, do not give up. Who's Jesus speaking about here? Who is God's own elect? If you want to turn to Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. I really liked what my Dake's commentary says, that the elect are one of four groups, which we could look at by process of elimination. He lists the four groups as could be elect of God, Christ, Israel, the nation of, angels, and any of us who have accepted God's choosing of us. Well, Colossians 3.12 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also you do. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So therefore put on all these things as the elect of God, so by process of elimination, his words are not speaking of Christ because he's already perfect. Neither was he speaking of the nation of Israel because he did not address them. And he always addressed them as my children or the, you know, the, the uh, descendants of your, your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of this. He did not do that. And it wasn't to his angels because his angels have no need to pray. So therefore we know that the elect of God is us. And when Jesus gave his disciples the example of how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he specifically said, don't pray or give your alms before men for a public display. Don't stand on the street corner bellowing out your prayers for all men to hear you. And don't speak in vain repetitions, for none of these have a reward. But you, God's own elect, you, when you pray, enter into your closet in secret and shut the door and pray to your Father because your Father in heaven sees who sees you in secret, but he will reward you openly. And not only that, he knows what you need before you even ask. And it's there in our secret place. Thank you, Jesus. 
where we can pour out a heavy heart to God and know that our Heavenly Father hears us even in that secret place, but he will reward us openly and that he knows what we need before we ask. Even when it seems to be taking a very long time, God our Father is working on our behalf. We cannot lose hope. We cannot grow weary. We cannot faint or fall into unbelief. And don't forget Jesus' own words. He will answer speedily. James 5 says, 5.16, that we should confess our faults one to another. Some say that means your stumblings. Others, other commentary says it means your uh, your physical needs, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So not only are we supposed to pray, but we're supposed to pray for one another for healing because a righteous man praying for another has power and strength in the name of Jesus. And just one last passage in Romans 4, verses 17 through 21, speaking of Abraham. Paul writes, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which are not, as though they are. Who? Abraham. Who against hope? Meaning when there was no basis for hope, no past evidence for hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. And so shall thy seed be. And be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, which was now dead, when he was about a hundred years old. Neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. He did not stumble. He did not give up. He did not fail at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. I think that's the message right there. It isn't how we pray, the words we pray. I've said this a bunch of times. It's not about us. It's about belief in a God who can do the impossible the amazing Jehovah. The New Living Translation says that verse this way, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened to you because you, Abraham, believed in the God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. 
This is the same God that we pray to. It's the same God that we find our secret place and we shut the door behind us and we pray. However we pray, however long we pray, it's to that same God that can do the impossible. Today is the celebration of the, the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the founding of the new church in Christ. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit when he returned to the Father in heaven and he did exactly what he said he would do. I believe in those promises of God, not because of what we can see, not because of what I can do or anyone else tells me, but because I believe the words of the amazing Jehovah God to be true and everlasting. So no matter how long it takes for revival to come, for souls to be saved, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to move freely and manifested by all in the church, for the kingdom of God to come to our individual lives, he's able. He's able to perform it. He's able to do the impossible. Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> We can't give up, folks. We can't turn loose of what we know to be truth. We can't go back to an empty shell of a life or shell of a heart even. But we have to press on towards that God that we so strongly believe in. Lord, you taught us to pray always. You taught us even how to pray in Matthew 6 where you said, Hallowed be thy name, O oh Father God. Let the Holy Spirit burn in us today, O oh God, that we pray those prayers effectually and we pray one for another, Lord Jesus, to accomplish your will in our midst. God, you are amazing to us because in our weakness you are strong. When we can't, you can. And we look to your word, Lord, and we look to past victories, O oh God, that establish future conquering in our lives. And we look to it in the name of Jesus for his glory and his power and his edification among us. In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your presence today. We thank you, Lord, for every soul that's come out, hungry and eager to be in your presence, Lord. And I pray that they've been fed by your word, Lord, and by your power and presence. Go with us, Jesus. Help us to know that as we pray in our secret place, Lord, our Father in heaven, our Father hears us, and that he knows what we have need of before we come to ask, and that he will answer speedily, as it is your word, Lord, and we stand upon it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus.